You are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Puff Puff Kiss by The Bobble Hat on AO3. Rating Mature. Hey, Harrington. Steve looked up from the door, his key still in the lock. It was closing time at Family Video, and he and Robin were just discussing plans for the evening when Jonathan Byers came trotting up to the both of them. Hey, Byers, Steve greeted, locking up the shop. Sorry, but we already shut down the computer system. Oh, no, I'm not here for a movie, said Jonathan. I was wondering what the two of you were doing tonight. He shoved his hands into jacket pockets and smiled. Me and Nance were going to meet up with a friend out by the creek. Doing what, Robin asked. Oh, you know, just a little safety meeting. Steve and Robin glanced at each other. Jonathan's smile fell slightly. You know, safety? Uh, Steve scratched his head. You mean like duck and cover stuff, or... Rather than be frustrated, Jonathan laughed and shook his head. No, it's more like tuck and roll. You've lost me, said Steve. Look, it's me, Nancy, my friend Argyle, under the stars. We'll have a couple beers and relax. It's Saturday night. What do you say? Kind of a double date situation. A double date with five people, Robin pointed out. Eh, Argyle doesn't mind being a spare. Awkwardly, Steve cleared his throat and Robin shifted. Look, we're not. This wouldn't be a... Sure, we'll go, Robin suddenly said. Steve whipped to her. We will? Killer, said Jonathan. Argyle's been wanting to meet you guys since he moved in from California. You'll love him. A honk echoed from the car and the three looked over. Nancy, sitting in Jonathan's passenger seat, waved behind the windshield. Steve waved back. Meet us there in an hour. We're just off the interstate. Sure, I guess. Again, Steve glanced at Robin, but she kept a stiff smile, pointed to Jonathan. Meet you out there. With a nod, Jonathan headed back to the car and he and Nancy drove off into the night. Steve frowned at Robin, hands on his hips. The hell was that? What? You realize they're going to think we're on a date. Yeah, that's the point, numbnuts. They headed to Steve's BMW. People keep wondering why we're not dating. Kind of don't want them to start asking a million questions, you know. They got in, and Steve flipped on the radio. I guess. Still... I don't think anyone would really care if you were into girls. At least none of our friends would care. Word travels fast in this stupid town. Fair point. With their seatbelts fastened, Steve rolled out the parking lot. Your place first? Sure. After grabbing a spare change of clothes each, they tossed their family video uniforms into the back seat of Steve's car and headed out towards the interstate highway. With it being a Saturday... A few of the older kids were out cruising in their parents' cars. Starcourt was hopping as ever, and the local movie theater was just letting out their early evening showing of Top Gun. Hawkins certainly wasn't a big town, but it had kept up with the times fairly well, all things considered. They reached the creek within 20 minutes of leaving town. From the trees, Steve saw the chipping paint of a horrible yellow pizza truck next to a far less egregious Toyota van. The sun was fully down by now, and Jonathan had started a campfire. 
Music came from the muffled speakers of the pizza truck, though. Steve doubted if they got a radio signal all the way out here. It was probably a tape. Steve parked next to the Toyota, and he and Robin stepped out to greet the others. Nancy and Jonathan were up against a log, snuggling next to the campfire. They greeted Steve and Robin with smiles, and Jonathan got up to make the introductions. Hey, you made it. Steve, this is Argyle. Argyle, Steve, and Robin. Yo, brochacho. Standing up from a stump was the loudest individual Steve had ever met. He had the droopy eyes of a perpetual stoner, with hair that reached down to his waist. His clothes were a sort of mismatch of neon vomit, and while Steve went in for a handshake, Argyle dove in, arms out and embraced Steve in an all-encompassing hug. Steve glanced at the others awkwardly. Nancy, in particular, was having a hard time containing her laughter. When Argyle let Steve go, he turned to Robin. And one for the brochacha, too. Nah, no thanks, said Robin. Not, not really a hugger. Respect that, respect that. Argyle bobbed his head like a pigeon and then sat back down on his stump. I've heard a lot about you, dude and dudette. Excited for the most triumphant safety meeting tonight. John O says that you're the big kahuna around here. Mad respect. Steve stared at Argyle with glazed over eyes. He turned to Nancy helplessly. Someone want to translate or... Aha! A voice echoed from inside the Toyota, and the side of the door slid open. Two grimy sneakers jumped out and into the dirt, and Eddie Munson spun around with a tin lunchbox in hand. I knew I didn't forget the cargo. He shook it, and Argyle cheered. That's when Eddie's eyes drifted to Steve's. An uneasy pause lingered between them, and Steve saw a hint of worry in Eddie's eyes. Hey, um, buyers, he glanced at Jonathan. You didn't tell me Steve fucking Harrington was invited. Jonathan glanced between them. What, do you guys know each other? In a manner of speaking. Steve, said Nancy with a frown. Don't tell me. Steve felt hot shame burn his neck, and he took half a step back. Maybe I should leave. But you just got here, Argyle argued. I'm lost, Jonathan looked at Nancy for an explanation. But Nancy kept her eyes on Steve, her arms folded. He was my fucking bully in middle school, man, Eddie finally said. Him and his meathead friends used to trash my locker when they got bored. Steve, Robin chided. No, look. Steve held up his hands to defend himself. It was a long time ago. Not cool, man, Argyle chimed in. A man's locker is his most sacred place of privacy. Yes, I agree that it wasn't cool, Steve said. His eyes flickered to Eddie, who remained stiff and cautious. Steve cleared his throat and shoved his hands into his jacket pockets. I'm sorry, Munson. I was an asshole kid, and you didn't deserve to get picked on. I'm not friends with those guys anymore if it makes you feel any better. Eddie narrowed his eyes with suspicion. It's true, said Jonathan. Steve and I had our beef back when we were both still in school. But you remember when my brother went missing? Sure, said Eddie. The whole town was in a panic. Well, Steve lent a hand to help find him. Turns out, he's actually a good guy. Once he stopped being an asshole meathead. Thanks, Byers, Steve muttered. Jonathan smirked and put his arm around Nancy's shoulders. Steve turned back to Eddie. He didn't seem ready to entirely trust Steve quite yet. I'm sorry, he repeated, far more sincerely now. If you want me to go, I can. But after a moment or two, 
Eddie broke into a smile and approached Steve with a slight spring in his step. Nah, don't sweat it, Harrington. Eddie slapped Steve's shoulder. It was probably harder than it needed to be, but Steve would take it. Bygones be bygones, right? Right, said Steve. He turned to the others, glad that the air was a little lighter now. So, what's this whole thing about? The others snickered at each other, and Eddie popped open the lunchbox. Steve pulled back out of instinct. What? This is a smokeout, my bro, said Argyle with a doofy grin. MJ, ganja, the devil's lettuce. I know what weed is, thanks. Robin peered into Eddie's lunchbox. Wow, that's, that's a lot. Well, obviously we don't have to smoke it all in one go. Eddie set himself on a rock and handed the box to Argyle. No doubt he was the best roller out of all of them. Come on, relax, you stiffs. Sit, grab a beer, chillax. Robin and Steve both took spots by the fire. Steve ended up sandwiched between Robin and Eddie, who busied himself rolling up his own joint. Robin passed Steve a can of beer and then saved one for herself. Snapping it open, Steve looked across the fire to Nancy. I'm shocked that you're up for this, Nance, he said. What, just because I was vowed Victorian, I can't relax now and then? This is a little more than relaxing, Steve argued. Since when are you such a square? Jonathan teased. Argyle got the joint going, and after a puff, turned it over to Jonathan, who smoked it easily. You sound like a dad. Look, I'm just surprised is all. He watched as Eddie took out an impressive Zippo and lit the end of his joint. As Eddie took it away to exhale, Steve became fascinated with the way that smoke curled around his wild mop of hair. Eddie seemed to notice him staring, and he offered Steve his joint. Steve didn't take it at first. Maybe I'll just watch. Suit yourself, said Nancy, taking the joint from Jonathan. She took a decent inhale, held it, and coughed out a cloud of smoke. Waving it off, she handed over to Robin. I told you guys. What? Steve stiffened up. What did you tell them? That you've never smoked before, said Nancy. At least not when we were dating. Wait, really? Robin held the joint between her fingertips, looked at Steve with surprise. But you were the cool kid. Yeah. Don't all the cool kids smoke weed? What is this, an after-school special? Eddie took a drag and let a long stream of smoke leave his plump lips. You've never been high before, have you, big boy? Steve felt his ears grow red. What? Eddie's smile curled devilishly, and it made Steve's gut twist. No, I, I have, totally. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I dislocated my shoulder in freshman year, and they drugged me up pretty hard when I was in the hospital. Jonathan snorted. That doesn't count. Yes, it does, Steve argued. They gave me drugs, and I got loopy. I was high. You gotta be careful with the hospital meds, my dude, said Argyle. He took the joint from Eddie and took a drag before giving it back. Some of them make your wang shrink up. Christ, Argyle, no they don't, said Jonathan. Nah, they totally do, said Argyle. It happened to a friend of mine's cousin's cousin. Yeah, okay. Taking his joint back, Eddie leaned on one hand. Eyes had not left Steve's profile, a fact that Steve was hyper aware of, whether he wanted to be or not. That you don't even know how to smoke, do you, Harrington? Now you're just being a jackass, Steve snapped. Turnabout is fair play, Eddie needled. Steve grumbled, and Eddie sat up straight. 
He held the joint between his forefinger and thumb. You sure you don't want a crash course in disappointing daddy? I can teach you the ways of the force. The what? Oh, for the love of, have you not seen Star Wars, man? The dumb space movie? Eddie turned to Jonathan, looking genuinely affronted. Tell me he's pulling my leg. Robin leaned forward. Steve, we work at a video store. I said I know the dumb space movie, didn't I? Nancy snorted, relaxing in Jonathan's lap. I told you, Nancy sang. I told you both, but you insisted. Nancy fluttered her eyelashes. He's a total wet blanket. I am not. Mm-hmm. Steve pouted and took a chug of his beer. Eddie scooted closer and held the joint out. Come on, man. Make Nancy Reagan cry. Let the peer pressure compel you. You're an asshole, Munson. Eddie only smiled. If you want, I could shotgun it for you. No. Steve took the joint and stared at it. He looked up. All eyes were on him. He held the paper to his lips and sucked. The acidic string hit his lungs like a freight, and he fell into a coughing fit. The others laughed as Steve tried to blink the tears from his eyes. Fuck, he coughed further, and Eddie took an easy drag. You can't inhale it, said Argyle. You just gotta pull and push, man. The fuck does that even <coughs> mean? Without a word, Eddie pulled his joint away and took the back of Steve's neck. Leaning in, he blew. The soft stream of smoke hit Steve's lips for a moment. He was paralyzed. His head was light and fuzzy, and while he should have snapped at Eddie for making fun of him like that, he found he could do nothing but sit and stare into those big, doe-like eyes. When Eddie pulled away, his display was greeted to a round of whoops and laughs from the others. Again, Steve wondered if he should be mad that he was the butt of so many jokes. But after years of being the bully, he guessed he deserved a little teasing. Smoking after that was easier. He didn't cough nearly as much after the first few hits, which was to his benefit, as he found himself genuinely curious to try it a few more times. The night devolved into stories and off-colored jokes. Eddie, at one point, hijacked Argyle's tape player in favor of his metal bands. Steve had never really listened to metal before that night. It was chaotic and noisy and genuinely hard to decipher. But after a while, it grew on him. By the time he was starting to get hungry, Argyle pulled out the marshmallows and other junk food, including a half-eaten cold pizza. Steve wasn't sure if it was the best cold pizza he'd ever had in his life, or if that was the weed talking. Hey, Nancy said suddenly, you know what we should do? Tell ghost stories. Steve looked up from his half slice of pepperoni. By now, Nancy and Jonathan had accepted Robin into a sort of cuddle-puddle situation, with the latter resting her eyes on Nancy's shoulder. Not really a hugger, Steve's ass. Oh, most deaf, Argyle agreed. We've got the setup for some absolutely killer spooks. Oh yeah, Jonathan asked, weaving his fingers through Nancy's curls. You got any from California? Yeah, man. Steve took a hit and leaned forward on his knees. I got one. There was this rumor of this guy. See, it was a night like this, and he worked at a pizza shop, just like this one. Steve frowned. We're not in a pizza, shh, Eddie hissed. It was all quiet, right? Argyle continued. Dude was getting ready to close up when the phone rings. It's a delivery order, so he makes the pie and checks the address. Only, it's not an address he's ever seen before. He starts to get this weird feeling like something's off. But Pizza Boy Code compels us all, 
and he gets in his super sweet truck and drives off to deliver the goods. The address is all the way on the other side of town, and he comes to this house. It's all like old and dark and quiet. He gets out of the car with the box in his hand and goes up to the door. He knocks. Hello? No answer. He knocks again. I got your pie, man. The door opens and inside, Argyle thrusts his hands out, making a few of them jump. Inside was a big old mouth. Cause my dude was the pizza the whole time. Steve snorted. A mouth? Like, just a mouth? Yeah, man, said Argyle. Just a big old mouth. Not attached to anything or... Whatever, Steve. It's a haunted mouth, Robin mumbled. Who's next, Jonathan asked. Nancy set up, forcing Robin to shift until she eventually rested her chin on Nancy's shoulder. I've got one. There was this girl, and she was coming home late from the library. Nerd, Steve joked. Nancy made a face but continued. And as she's walking, she hears these footsteps. So she stops and turns, but there's nobody there. She keeps walking, and then she hears them again. She turns back around. Nothing. So she's starting to panic. She rushes home. She locks all the doors and the windows, shuts all the curtains, and decides to go to bed. And then she hears the footsteps again. She jumps out of bed and runs for her bathroom. Shutting the door after her, she sits in the dark, waiting for whoever it is to leave. She doesn't hear anything, so she stands up and turns on the light. She looks in the mirror, and what she sees in her reflection is her, except that now she's dead. Nancy wiggled her eyebrows, clearly expecting gasps or shivers of horror. What she received was blank stares. Nancy held out her hands. She's dead. She's been dead the whole time. Wait, so who was chasing her, Jonathan asked. I don't know. It's your story, though, said Steve. How do you not know? Ugh, whatever. You guys suck. Eddie chuckled. His teeth clenched on his paper joint. I got one, he said. He slumped to the ground, resting his back up against his mossy rock. And this one's particularly scary, because it's true. In fact, it happened here, in Hawkins. Steve scoffed. Come on, Munson. I don't bullshit my ghost stories, Harrington, Steve said. He grinned and took the joint from his teeth. Unless you're too chicken to hear it. I'm not, Steve straightened up. Whatever, tell your stupid story. Eddie propped up a knee and rested his elbow straight out ahead of him. As he spoke, his articulate fingers stretched to illustrate his words. In the spring of 1959, this guy, Victor, he moves into a house just outside of Hawkins. He was a good guy, this Victor dude. Served in France, all-American family, that sort of thing. Perfectly normal by anyone's standards. So he and his family move into this place. Huge. I'm talking like four bedrooms, big kitchen, perfect home. Only things start happening to Victor. Lights start flickering. He's hearing voices. Water turns on and off. The radio won't stop blaring. But Victor, he's stubborn. They put a lot of money into this house. So even though his wife and kids are scared out of their minds, he keeps them there, trapped in this place. Every night he's woken up to whispers in his ear, telling him to do, well, the worst things someone can do to their own family. Eddie's eyes blazed in the firelight as he slowly made contact with each of his enthralled audience. Until one night, he can't take it anymore. 
and he acts. Victor waits. He waits until his family is asleep. He goes downstairs to the basement. There's a hatchet there. Good for firewood, you know. He walks upstairs, finds his wife asleep in their bed, chops her up. The sound of the act squishes and thunks every time it makes contact. Whack, whack, whack. He turns her over on her back. With his bare, dirty fingernails, he digs out her eyes, yanks them from their sockets, and keeps them in his pocket. Then he goes to his daughter's room. He stands over his little girl, maybe about 10 by now, and he starts again. Whack, whack, whack. And then he digs his fingernails into her face and takes her eyes. Finally, all that's left is his son. He goes into his room, but the son wakes up. He screams and tries to get out. Victor throws him down the stairs. Every time he hits a step, his bones crack and his body twists and breaks in all kinds of horrible ways. When the cops come, the kid is in a coma and Victor is arrested and thrown into Penhurst, where he sits to this day. The worst of it is, he was so weighed down by guilt that one night, while in his cell, he took one of the forks smuggled in from the cafeteria And when no one was looking, Eddie thrust his hands to his face, making the others jump, enraptured in his story. Stabbed his own eyes out, Eddie concluded. Stabbed them with the prongs of that dirty fork and yanked them out of his skull. Bullshit, Robin breathed. It's true, said Eddie. Look it up the next time you're bored. Robin, thoroughly shaken, scooted in closer to Nancy, who in turn scooted in closer to Jonathan. That's not the worst part. See that house? It's still standing. Never got sold. It stands how it stood all the way back in 59, full of their old stuff. Like the house is waiting for them to come home any day now. It's condemned by the city these days. But if you go in alone, they say you come out with claw marks. He pointed to his eyes. Because the spirits that pushed Victor are still there, waiting to add to their collection. The whole group was deathly quiet. Eddie's story had unnerved them to the point where even Argyle was decidedly less chill. Steve was the first to break the silence. There's no such thing, he blurted out. Oh no? Eddie turned to him. You don't believe in ghosts, Harrington? Of course I don't. Eddie finished his joint and snubbed the roach into the dirt. So if I told you there were ghosts in these very woods, I'd say you're full of shit. Testy, testy. Whatever, Jonathan laughed. Great story, man. Come on, ghosts in the woods? Why not, said Eddie. Like, 70% of the world believes in some kind of supernatural force, whether that's a god or devils or whatever. Why couldn't there be ghosts in the woods? Let's change the subject, huh, said Robin. Somebody pass me that cheese. Jonathan handed Robin a can of cheese whiz, and she squirted it directly into her mouth. The atmosphere loosened after that, and Eddie let his head relax on the top of his rock. Argyle had switched out the tape to something more upbeat, California Dreamin' by the Mamas and Papas, collectively agreeing to leave the ghost stories alone for now. Steve, having finished his pizza, tossed a piece of burnt crust behind him and glanced at Eddie. He looked like a cat, getting ready for a nap. Steve took notice of his many rings and other odd accoutrements he proudly wore. He was honestly like a far more hardcore peacock in that way, nothing but flair. Steve wasn't sure if he was annoyed or admired the personality of it all. You got something on your mind? Eddie's voice made Steve jump, and he looked up. Eddie had cracked open one eye and grinned at him from its corner. 
hope I didn't freak you out too much. Steve scoffed. It wasn't that scary. Eddie lifted his head. But it was scary, wasn't it? Whatever. Steve grabbed a handful of pretzels and shoved them into his mouth. It's probably not even true. You think so? I know so. Eddie propped his chin in his hands, and he leaned forward, his smile still wide and unbroken. So the Victor Creel I met at Penhurst was a different, eyeless old man in the can for killing his family, or... Steve stopped, a pretzel stick hovering to his mouth. His eyes were wide. What? You... you met? Sure did. That's fucking bull. Scout's honor. How... what were you even doing there? Eddie's smile became somber, and he grabbed a fresh can of beer. Popping it open, he took a swig. Spent a summer there, and their juvenile program. Steve felt his heart drop. What? My pops is a real hard ass. When I was 13, he found out, well, let's say he figured some stuff out about me that didn't sit well with him. So he sent me off for a summer. After I got discharged, I spent a few more years in and out before I finally moved in with my uncle. Haven't talked to him since. Helps that he got locked up for drunk driving. Oh, Steve stared at his pretzel stick awkwardly. Eddie, man, I'm sorry. Eddie shrugged and took another sip of his beer. It's all in the past. Still, shit, that sounds rough. It was. They sat in silence a moment, both of them staring into the fire. Steve swallowed and inched in closer, keeping his voice low. Um, hey, um, Eddie looked at him. I really am sorry, you know, about back when I... Eddie's smile returned, his brown eyes glistened, and Steve could see a distinct color of honey within. Don't sweat it, Harrington. You weren't the only kid who picked on Munson the freak. Yeah, but... Steve, I'm serious. It's all water under the bridge. He took another drink of his beer and stood. Speaking of water, I'm off to take a piss. He brushed off his jeans and wandered into the trees. I'll let you know if I see any ghosts. Don't die, man, Argyle called. Steve watched Eddie vanish into the darkness, his fingers threaded between his knees. Man, I never knew, he mumbled. What? Nancy asked droopily. Er, I just... Never realized that Eddie Munson wasn't that bad a guy. Oh yeah, Eddie's cool, said Jonathan. He runs Will's D&D games every other weekend. No kidding. What? With Henderson too? Steve frowned. You know, he has been going on about some new DM they were playing with, now that I think of it. But I didn't realize that Henderson's Eddie was this Eddie. I always thought it was just another little nerd. He frowned suddenly miffed at the idea that this cool, charismatic storyteller was the same person Dustin spoke so highly of. Robin, seeing this, squinted at Steve's face. Suddenly, she giggled, making Steve look up. What? Nothing, she's saying. It's just, do you have a little competition now, Stevie? Huh, competition? Yeah, you know, said Robin. You're always Dustin's favorite. But now, uh uh-oh, looks like he has someone new. Shut up, I'm not jealous. (laughs) Hmm. I'm serious. Sure you are. I wouldn't let it bother you, said Jonathan. I've practically been replaced as Will's big brother. He loves Eddie so much. I haven't been replaced, Steve argued. Whatever. Forget it. I think Steve's turning green, Nancy teased. You might have to fight him for custody. Ha ha, very funny. Steve leaned back on his hands and blew a trill through his lips. If anything, I'm happy Henderson's got someone else to latch onto. He was really cramping my style. Everyone looked at Steve with doubt. 
What? Hey, yo, Harrington, Eddie called from the brush. You gotta come see this, man. Steve frowned. Huh? What is it? Just come out here. Steve hesitated. Are you zipped up? Dude, come on. Fine. Steve stood and stomped off into the woods after Eddie's voice. Behind him, the laughter of his friends faded into the white noise of the background. Away from the firelight, the trees were dark and dense. Steve squinted, looking around. Munson, hello. Steve knelt down to peer through an empty log. Where are you, man? A twig snapped, and Steve shot up stiff. He looked around, still finding no sign of Eddie. Dude, this isn't funny. Nothing answered. Steve swallowed a lump in his throat and backed up. Fuck this, man. I'm headed back. He turned ready to storm his way back to the others, when a pallid white face shot up in front of him and let out a horrible hiss. Steve jumped back and flailed, collapsing into the dirt. Eddie laughed deeply, throwing his head back at Steve's look of panic. Dude. Dude, your face. Steve shot up and wiped the dirt off his jeans. Priceless man. Fuck off, Steve grumbled. Come on, it was a joke. Let's call us even, huh? Yeah, yeah. Whatever, we're even. Steve put his hands on his hips. So was that it? Ah, don't be so cheesed, Harrington. Eddie wrapped an arm around Steve's shoulder and squeezed. Maybe one day, you'll almost be as scary as me. Yeah, one day. Steve felt his stomach twist. He thought perhaps it might have been due to the cheap scare, but something told him it had more to do with how close Eddie was to his face. Come on, let's head back. But Eddie shook his head. Nah, not yet. I actually do have something I want to show you. He gestured with his head, and the two walked further into the woods. Steve wasn't sure if the flutter in his tummy was excitement or if he was slightly afraid of getting murdered. They followed a bend up the creek bed until coming to a rock formation. Eddie pulled out a flashlight and flipped it on. From underneath one of the boulders, there was an entrance to a shallow cave. Paint and chalk washed off over many years, warned strangers to keep out. Eddie crouched by the entrance and gestured to Steve to come on inside. Check it out, he said. My own private clubhouse. Huh? Steve knelt down next to the entrance. Looks dark, damp, and unpleasant. Homie. With a grin, Eddie shimmied in through the entrance and motioned Steve to follow. Steve shuffled in on his knees, and once they were inside, Eddie fiddled with something in the dark. And boom. Suddenly, the cave was flooded with a soft, ambient light. Eddie had taped various hand mirrors to the walls at different angles. Once his flashlight was stationed in front of one of them, the whole area lit up. Now that Steve got a better look, the cave wasn't terrible, though mainly for someone much smaller than them. There was an old blanket and some pillows, a stack of yellowing magazines, and a tape deck, possibly broken. Eddie held out his hands. What you think, he asked. Pretty sweet, right? Waterfront property. Steve nodded in approval. It's not bad. He watched as Eddie got comfortable in a corner and pulled out another joint. He started in, took a drag before holding it out for Steve. With not much room to sit easily, Steve took a spot next to Eddie and accepted the joint. Now with their shoulders together, Steve took a hit and relaxed. At least he wasn't falling into coughing fits anymore. When'd you find this place? Before I moved out, my old man, said Eddie, joint between his fingers. Perfect for when I needed to avoid a glass bottle at my head, you know. 
He chuckled and Steve's face fell. He really put you through hell, didn't he? Your dad. That's one way of saying it. Yeah. Steve hesitated. What, uh, if you don't mind my asking, what was it that got him so upset that he sent you away to a mental institution? Eddie blew out a steady stream of smoke and handed Steve the joint. He caught me. Here. Doing what? Steve brought the smoke to his lips. Eddie's eyes were somber. Kissing another boy. They looked at each other. Steve blinked, frozen in shock. Oh, so you, you don't like? Oh, I like girls just fine, Eddie clarified. Love them. Heather Locklear, I mean, forget it. But I'm also a Tom Cruise guy, if you know what I mean. So, you like both? Eddie thought a moment. I think I just like a bit of everything, if I'm honest. Ah, what about you? Me? Yeah. What about me? Eddie shrugged. Well, you hang with Buckley, so... Steve stiffened. Robin and I are friends. Suddenly, Eddie snorted and took back the weed. I know that, he smirked. I'm saying, Buckley's a lesbian, right? Steve's ears went red. Wait, you... you know? Of course I do, said Eddie. We fairies got a sixth sense for that sort of thing. He took a hit and passed it to Steve. So... What about you, Harrington? What's your speed? I... Steve stared at the cherry of the joint. I mean, I've always liked girls. Eddie cocked an eyebrow. And? Steve looked up. And, uh, I don't know. That's kind of it. What, you've never been curious? Curious? You know, about guys. Steve's throat went dry, and he watched the paper burn out. I... Well, I, I guess I just, so you've never kissed another guy before. Huh? Steve whipped to Eddie. I, no, I haven't. Never thought about it. I, I don't know, man. Hmm. Eddie took the now unlit joint and put it behind his ear. Well, you want to? Steve balked and Eddie elaborated. Sometimes you don't know what you like until you try it out. Steve was sure that his ears were burning by now. Eddie sensed his unease and pulled back. Look, no pressure or nothing. If you don't want to, you don't want to. Is it nice? Steve suddenly asked. Eddie paused before splitting into a smile. Yeah, nice as kissing a girl anyway, unless he's got a mustache. Huh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Eddie chuckled and shifted so that he was fully facing Steve. Close your eyes. Steve obliged. Just relax, man. You're all tense. I'm relaxed. I'm relaxed. Breathe, Harrington. I'm fucking breathing, Munson. Now do it before I change my... When Eddie kissed him, it was so sudden that Steve's eyes popped open. Eddie's eyes remained cracked just a bit, watching Steve's reaction. The kiss itself was awkward at first. Bezo's soft lips rested, Steve found himself falling into the plush texture with ease. Eddie had wonderful lips. They were as soft as any girls he had ever kissed, certainly. Both of their eyes fluttered closed, and Steve rested his hands on Eddie's shoulders. Eddie took Steve's hips, bringing them both in together. The kiss deepened. Steve felt the metal of a tongue piercing against his teeth. It sent shivers down his spine. Their legs intertwined and Steve's hand waved itself into Eddie's wild hair. They broke apart and Steve gasped for breath. Eddie grinned. 
Guess you were curious after all, he muttered. Shut up. Steve leaned in and kissed Eddie again. Eddie's spindle arms and legs were now fully around Steve's body. The heat of their kisses made the whole cave muggy as the smell of summer rain seeped in through the cave cracks. Steve pushed until Eddie was beneath him. Without thinking, Steve reached over for an old pillow, beat it so there weren't any bugs or lingering twigs, and put it under Eddie's head. Eddie snorted. Such a gentleman, he teased. He grabbed the collar of Steve's shirt and brought him in for a deeper kiss. Steve lowered himself onto Eddie's body. Their thighs pressed each other, and their hearts thundered in tandem. Steve's hands, without his brain's permission, were already starting to grope at Eddie's thin hips. As he was very much between relationships, he hadn't been with someone in an age. Not since he and Nancy were together. His skin prickled at the prospect. When they broke apart, Eddie gasped and looked down. Their crotches were flushed up against each other. It was not hard to guess what exactly hid behind those zippers. Are you horny, Steve? Eddie had said so casually that it nearly sent Steve over the edge right then and there. Steve, his voice gone, nodded. Damn, Steve Harrington is horny on top of me. 16-year-old Eddie would have shat a brick. Look, I, if this is too much, I can stop. Nah, it's not too much. Eddie's hand dove beneath them. He toyed with Steve's zipper. I promise my mean old man won't find us. What do you say? Want to have fun, big boy? God, yes. With no voice of his own, Steve nodded, and they fell into another kiss. Eddie's hands worked quickly between them. Soon, both of their jeans were unzipped, and their cocks were braced against each other, with only the thin fabric of their underwear to protect them. Eddie pulled down the elastic waistband and wrapped his fingers around each of their erections. As he rolled his hand, Steve gasped, his back arching like a shell over Eddie's body. Their kisses became harsher and more desperate as Eddie continued to stroke them both off. At one point, Steve fell to one side so that he might more easily assist. With Eddie's cock in his hand and his and Eddie's, they stroked each other in a steady rhythm. Eddie braced his back against the cave wall his mouth hanging open in endless gasps. Steve was focused and covered Eddie's spindle neck in endless kisses. When they returned to exchange more spit, their tongues dove at each other, filling each other's mouth with their taste. Eddie's rings clattered against Steve's jean zipper, and their pleasures began to peak. Christ, Eddie breathed. Fuck, Steve, I'm so... Yeah. Their noses squished together, their kissing halted in order to keep them distraction-free. Suddenly, Eddie's brows tilted back and he whimpered. A soft, erotic expression flashed across his face, and Steve felt a hot mess explode against his fingers. The excitement, the taboo of seeing Eddie succumb in very hands brought Steve to the brink, and he too was suddenly riddled with white, hot pleasure. He gritted his teeth and shut his eyes, curling into Eddie's arms. When it was over for both of them, they lay in the dirt and mess, desperately gasping for air between them. Eddie's eyes fluttered open. Damn, Steve, he panted. You sure that I'm your first dude? Steve thought he was still a little red-faced, leaning in and kissed Eddie's nose. Pretty sure. They smiled at each other and Steve looked down. Ah, shit. Grab that blanket, huh? Steve obliged and cleaned up the spunk between them. When they were more presentable, Steve tossed the blanket aside and the two of them laid on their backs, sharing the single old pillow. Steve stared up at the cave ceiling. 
So, Steve began, that was... that? Sure was. Hmm. Steve glanced at Eddie and cleared his throat. That was, uh... that was nice. Eddie turned to him. A little gross considering we're in an old, dirty cave, but nice otherwise. Eddie propped himself up on his elbow. He smiled down at Steve through the mess of his hair. Yeah, he verified. Think you want to do it again? Maybe somewhere without spiders? Steve turned to him. The dim flashlight gave just enough detail to make out Eddie's individual eyelashes and the crinkle of his laugh lines. It was like he was seeing Eddie for the very first time. Using his unsoiled hand, he reached up and took Eddie by the cheek. He kissed him fondly. When they broke apart, Steve kept their noses close. Yeah, somewhere without spiders. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there.